Today is technically the first Sunday of what is known on the church calendar as Ordinary Time. Last week um, was uh, Trinity Sunday, and we began um, the season after Pentecost, but today is officially the first day of Ordinary Time. And if you uh, can remember back to last week, uh, we changed the colors of the lights to green. Um, that's because the color for the season of Ordinary Time is green and ordinary time is the longest section of the church calendar that we have um, we go from advent actually begins the church calendar then you have uh, epiphany then lent then um, uh, easter then pentecost and then you have this long stretch from june all the way through the end of november where everything is ordinary and the reason for that is because that is where we live our lives we do not live our lives from mountaintop to mountaintop sometimes we have to journey towards the next one sometimes we even have to go down through the valley but uh, we are journeying through life um, in the ordinary time, and so uh, the time that we grow the most is not when we are on the mountaintop, but when we are uh, in ordinary time, when we are journeying um, towards, uh, when we are journeying through life. And so the color green representing growth, uh, and goodness, we will get tired of uh, the color green. But sometimes in life, we have to learn to be present where we are, even if uh, it's ordinary and mundane. Right? We've got to learn to be present uh, where we are at and learn to see where God is in the ordinary. Uh, and so uh, as we begin this ordinary time, I want to invite us to pray um, this prayer together. If you feel confident and comfortable with these, let's say these words together. Beckoning God, as you moved in the life of Elijah, move in our lives, inviting us to journey to unknown territory, to listen for your voice and to speak your prophetic word in a world that does not want to hear. Empowered by your spirit, grant us the courage we need to journey trust, listen, speak, and accept your commission to be your faithful servant people. Amen. Amen. Well, and again, uh, we want to offer a happy Father's Day to all of our fathers um, out there. Uh, we're celebrating both our fathers here and the fathers of the members of our community um, who may not be here or may no longer be around. But the presence of the uh, father figures in our lives who um, have blessed us uh, with uh, their presence, blessed us by giving us a faithful example to follow. Um, we celebrate that. Now, when we gather together, at the beginning of our gathering, we have a part of our opening liturgy which suggests that perfection is a myth, right? Um, we understand that there is no such thing as a perfect father, right? Uh, in fact, probably what is the closest version of a perfect father that we have on earth is a father who recognizes that he's not perfect. Therefore, uh, he uh, seeks to uh, teach his children that they also um, are not perfect and they don't have to be, right? That um, we can receive um, grace when we make mistakes, when we um, do the wrong 
thing. And so uh, today, we want to just say we don't have to uh, put on an air of perfection, right? Um, we can be confident in the grace of God that meets us wherever we are, when we are at our best and even when we are at our worst. Um, so regardless of where we find ourselves today, uh, accept our gratitude for um, your example, um, not only for your direct children, but also those other, the others that you have influence over um, today. Uh, also today is uh, June 19th, which is a new celebration to me, but it is the holiday known as Juneteenth. Um, if you've never heard that, you probably are in good company because it's um, a, a holiday that has uh, been celebrated since the 1800s um, and celebrated particularly here in Texas since, since the 1800s, but one that is just now um, sort of gaining national attention, um, at least in the masses. Um, but uh, we should recognize the significance of Juneteenth for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, because it is a part of our Texas history. Right? Juneteenth is the celebration of uh, slaves in Texas being notified that they were set free. Uh, the actual setting free of the slaves, even the slaves in Texas, happened with the uh, Emancipation Proclamation. I believe it was 1863, um, but don't quote me on that. And just by the time, by the way that word traveled, by the um, political um, ideologies and reasons um, that you can go study on the internet, word did not get to uh, Texas until 1865, June 19th, 1865. And so it was on that day in Galveston where the general, uh, or maybe not a general, but some sort of army official landed in Galveston and uh, put everyone on notice that uh, slavery had been abolished and to set slaves free immediately. Um, so not only is this a part of Texas history, uh, we should also um, celebrate this because as followers of Jesus, people who value and appreciate the scriptures, we recognize that scripture begins with slaves being set free, right? The Israelites crying out in their oppression, um, God hearing their cries and moving to set them free. We have a song, um, an older song that we don't necessarily sing as much anymore these days, but uh, it's a song that suggests that Jesus is the glorious emancipator, right? He sets us free, um, both free um, to uh, live the life of Christ, to live according to the ways of the kingdom of God, um, but also free um, in um, the world as well. So uh, if you haven't celebrated Juneteenth before, um, Hopefully, uh, you'll uh, look into it. And um, Jeremy, I think, is going to a celebration today, so ask him, and uh, he can tell you where that is, and you can go and meet him there if you don't have any other plans. Uh, so uh, Jeremy earlier read for the scripture from 1 Kings chapter 19 about uh, a portion of the story of the prophet Elijah, and that's what we're going to talk to um, today, it's an interesting one for us to look um, at here on Father's Day um, because of some of the implications that this particular story has for us today. Yesterday, I'll tell you, um, we went to Kelly's parents' house. to. Um, she wanted to celebrate Father's Day with her dad. 
Um, so we went to her parents' house and had a cookout. Uh, as Jeremy was reading the scripture, I was particularly intrigued by the part where uh, Elijah had food prepared for him. Uh, yesterday, I prepared the food, um, but we did have good food. And uh, after we ate the food, uh, I was blessed by uh, being allowed to take a nap. Uh, so I got to take a nap for a little bit. So I was uh, really connecting with uh, what Elijah was going through at that moment uh, with our experience yesterday. But uh, Elijah, we pick up the story of Elijah when he was uh, in the days after a great victory, not only for Elijah, but for also the people of God. But before we get too far into that part, we need to get a little bit of history of what is going on here. Elijah was a prophet for Israel um, at a time uh, when Israel had some significant struggles. Uh, they were um, kind of wandering around trying to figure out how to solidify themselves in the world as God's people. And uh, if you study the book of First Kings, it actually is titled very well because it is a book about the kings of Israel, or at least a portion of the kings of Israel. And uh, it, by the time we get to the 19th chapter, this man named Ahab is king. And Ahab had a troubled kingship in the nation of Israel. Um, he was sort of allured by um, other philosophies, other cultures. Um, in fact, uniting himself with um, Jezebel, who was um, from another uh, culture, another background, and, uh, and, and brought into Israel uh, the worship of a god called Baal. Uh, and so Ahab was forsaking, in many ways, the ways of his ancestors and adopting the ways of the cultures around him. And it was in this time that Elijah was the prophet. Uh, and in the midst of um, Ahab leading the Israelites to worship other gods, to adopt other cultures. Uh, Elijah spoke out um, against him, as many prophets did when Israel was going wayward. And so it brings us to a point to understand this morning that what distinguishes the people of God isn't their tie to the right earthly kingdom but them living uniquely according to the kingdom of God and the ways of God, right? It's not the tie to the right earthly kingdom that makes the people of God the people of God. It's living uniquely in the midst of all of the kingdoms of the world in the ways of God. This is important to remember uh, today especially because there are narratives out there which suggest that our tie to an earthly kingdom is the same as our tie to the kingdom of God, or that the tie to our earthly kingdom is synonymous with the tie to our um, connection to the kingdom of God. But that's not what the scriptures communicate to us. And in fact, it's dangerous for us to get those things confused. We are uh, allegiant first and foremost to the kingdom of God as God's people. And we need to remember this. So uh, where we pick up this story about Elijah that Jeremy read, we've kind of got the back history. We pick this up on the tales of a great showdown. 
Um, I was thinking about some showdowns uh, this week that came to my mind as I was talking about this uh, particular showdown. Uh, we have the Red River Showdown. Uh, it was renamed a couple of years ago. But that's um, when Oklahoma comes down to Texas and Texas from, comes up from Austin and they meet here in Dallas and they uh, have a showdown on the football field. Okay? Uh, the Longhorns versus the Sooners. Uh, one of my, uh, I guess you would say, favorite historical figures in the United States is um, Wyatt Earp. Um, I uh, thought for a long time that I should have been a cowboy. And so I loved Westerns. I grew up watching Westerns with my grandpa. And uh, Wyatt Earp is a, is a constant figure throughout um, the sort of cowboy history in our culture. And there's a famous showdown with Wyatt Earp at the OK Corral. Uh, now, I have been to the actual OK Corral. And the way that it's depicted in the movies could not have been the way that it went down uh, in actual fact. But uh, it's still a fun story, and uh, if you ever have wanted to be a cowboy, um, then Wyatt Earp is probably one who you have uh, studied. Um, this is the showdown at Mount Carmel. Right? This is where um, Elijah and King Ahab and Jezebel have this sort of showdown to prove who is the true God. And uh, as we will recall, if you're familiar with the story, and as we would know in our um, relationship to God and understanding God as the true God, um, God wins the showdown, right? God proves himself to be the true God, and the other gods that people serve um, are uh, not the true gods. And so there's this great victory that Elijah has. He's been warning people about following in the ways of the king of God and uh, then has this great showdown and has this great victory as a result. But what happens after that is this interesting turn because we find him in a fog, in a depression, in a funk. We find him in a place uh, that for some of us will be familiar. And this is a story I think that we can relate to uh, because in our culture we experience this same sort of fog, this same depression in a variety of different ways. Actually, there is a definition for this term. It is called post-achievement syndrome. Okay? Um, for us here at Journey, um, I can tell you that I have felt this for the last several months. Um, we are, are, you know, spent a lot of time and effort and energy to get into this building, not just the actual physical work, but the time leading up to it and the planning for it and the time we spent um, seeking the Holy Spirit's leadership in it. And what can happen is a lot of times when you have a milestone in front of you, you can put your efforts and your energy so much into that. Perhaps you uh, have a lot to do during that time to prepare, and so you kind of neglect some of the life-giving practices of your life, the rhythms that you live towards. And so um, when you get to that point, you have this great victory or this great success, and afterwards, you sort of have this reckoning where uh, you are depleted, where uh, you are, have, are, are spent. And uh, this is called post-achievement syndrome. In our culture, 
one of our cultural gods, if you will, is the god of productivity, right? Um, we worship at uh, the feet in our culture of the god of productivity. If you um, were to go back a couple of weeks ago, um, Apple had their uh, yearly conference or their monthly conference. I don't know how frequent it is. It seems like it's all the time. They're releasing new products, but their their whole spiel always is, we have found a way to revolutionize productivity um, with this device or with this update or whatever it is. We um, are always trying to figure out how we can be more productive because it's one of our cultural values. But when you find yourself in a fog, when you find yourself feeling uh, the, the weight of life weighing you down, oftentimes uh, your productivity decreases. And that can make us, in our culture, when we value productivity so much, it can become even a larger weight that weighs us down. So the question for us today is, and how do we get out of these pits? How do we shake, our, shake these fogs off of us? How do we, when we find ourselves in this uh, heavy feeling, in this weight of depression, how do we get out of it? Well, first of all, as a bit of a disclaimer, uh, there are times in our lives where we need to seek professional help, where we need to speak to a professional counselor or a psychologist or somebody who can help us understand maybe some of the details of why we are where we are. Um, but in addition to that, and um, something that we as followers of the way of Jesus um, need to remember is that we need to learn to incorporate um, the rhythms of the kingdom of God into our daily lives, and that those rhythms will set us free. Those rhythms will provide for us the freedom that will that that can help lift the fog. So Elijah, he's depleted. Um, he has been spent doing this um, great thing, winning this great victory, and uh, he finds himself in this depression. I wonder today how many of us find ourselves in a place where life is just weighing heavily on us. Maybe there's a decision that we have to make, and it is uh, weighing us down. It's weighing upon our shoulders, knowing that we have to make some sort of decision, some sort of change. Maybe there's a situation in our lives that we don't have necessarily control over, but it's something that we want to change, we hope will change, and, and, and we're waiting for it to change, but it seems like it's not ever going to change and it's weighing us down. Maybe for some of us, we have a health concern or a nagging problem that continues to, uh, to be present in our lives and our bodies, and it is weighing us down. Well, what does this story have to, uh, what hope does it have to offer us um, in our situations today? Well, there are four things that happen for Elijah that I think are things that you and I can take note of um, and uh, seek the, this type of care, this type of rhythm in our lives that provides for us 
freedom. You know, one of the misconceptions about following the way of Jesus, one of the misconceptions about religion is that it's just a bunch of rules that we have to follow, uh, a law that we have to live up to. Now, there obviously are rules. There are laws that God gives to people, but they're never for the purpose of keeping the rules. They're not for the purpose of keeping the law. They're for the purpose of being free, right? God knows the parameters of the world. God knows the parameters of our lives, and the rules, the the laws that God has given to us to follow um, don't imprison us to the laws. They set us free in the world. They give us the ability to live in true freedom. And so as we learn these rhythms of God, these rhythms of God providing in our time of need, we learn that this is the way to set us free, for us to be free. So the first thing that God provides to Elijah is shelter. Sometimes we need to be sheltered. If you go outside today and spend any length of time outside in the sun, you are going to feel what it is to need some sort of shelter. The sun beats down on us. It zaps us of our energy. And when we find ourselves in a place where life is feeling feeling, uh, heavy, when feels like there's a weight around our neck, we need to find rest in the shelter of God. Sometimes that means we need to get away. We need to change our surroundings, right? For Elijah, this comes in the shape of a broom tree, right? Uh, This is a a tree in the area of the world that Elijah lived in. Um, Maybe it's an oak tree for us here in Texas. Uh, For my family, this is one of the reasons why uh, at Thanksgiving we load up and head down to Big Bend National Park because it gives us that change of scenery that we need. It is a yearly thing that we do to uh, find ourselves in a place that um, has sort of uh, a landscape of healing, um, so to speak. It is a way for God to provide shelter to us, and we change up the rhythm not only of being in the at, at Big Bend there, but also the rhythm of how we live. And uh, for me and for my family, the the uh, the Big Bend provides for us a shelter. It provides for us um, a healing, sacred landscape. So today, where is your broom tree? Where is your shelter? The next thing that God provides for Elijah is sleep. Right? Sleep. Now, um, sometimes in our culture of productivity, we can feel like sleep is a waste of time. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like you've had a deadline, you've had something to do, and uh, you needed to go to sleep, but you didn't want to go to sleep because you felt like you were wasting your time. But we get to points in our lives where we just simply need to sleep. I'm not one who takes a lot of naps, but lately I have found myself in a place where I have been tired, I have been drained, and uh, I am trying to learn that when I have the opportunity, like yesterday, I'm trying to learn to uh, take advantage of taking a little nap, right? But it goes against uh, my 
uh, it goes against my way. It goes against my nature. Um, but sometimes we just need to stop and rest. And we should never feel bad about needing to rest. Right? Rest is an important part of who we are um, as people and a, an important way for God to uh, free us from that which is weighing us down. Right? The next thing that God provides is food, sustenance, right? But it's not breakfast in bed, right? Uh, it, he says to Elijah, get up and eat, right? Get up and get moving. Get up and uh, find the things that bring you joy in life. Uh, this isn't going and getting a fast food hamburger, right? This is a delicious uh, decadent meal that God has provided for Elijah to enjoy, to be refueled. Have you ever ate something that was just so delicious that you just kind of sat there afterwards and it, you just, it was tasting and seeing that the Lord was good, right? It was, uh, you were so satisfied because of this delicious meal. We need to find these things in our lives that provide for us sustenance, that we get up and we enjoy the beauty of God that is all around us, uh, even in the way of food. And the final thing that God says to Elijah is go, get up, do something, move, right? You've got to get going. You've got to have some sort of mission uh, responding to the way of Jesus. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, we read this. This is somewhat of a familiar scripture for us. It says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Right? Don't grow weary in doing good. Keep doing good. Keep doing the things of the way of Jesus. Keep doing the things of the kingdom of heaven. And at some point in time, there will be a harvest. There will be a, f you will be set free from that which is weighing you down. You will receive the harvest that you are working towards if you do not give up. But it's not going to happen until it is the proper time, right? We need to learn to wait for the proper time. And through us adopting these rhythms, waiting on the Lord is the scripture talks about, uh, seeking God to protect us, to fuel us, to fill us, and to lead us. We are able to continue on doing the work of the kingdom and not losing hope. As we wrap up today, I want to reread this uh, part of this passage here, because I think it has a lot for uh, to say to us today. Uh, so, this is a part of the scripture. God says, uh, or it says, Elijah went into a cave and spent the night, right? Elijah is in the pit. Despair has gripped him. He is spending the night in the cave. And the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing, Elijah? Right? Why are you in the dumps? Why are you down? This, by the way, is a popular question uh, that God asks a lot of different people throughout the scripture. Where are you? What is going on with you? Why are you in the place that you are in? 
And so Elijah responds, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your, peop- your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. This is the first recorded Facebook rant, right? He is going in on all of the things that are wrong around him. And this is something that we can definitely relate to, right? We uh, have a sort of a disposition of people around us where when we get frustrated, when we uh, find life weighing a little bit heavy on us, our go-to is are these rants, right? Where we're saying like, what is wrong with these people? What is wrong? Why are they doing the things that they are doing? But God didn't respond as your Facebook friend would, right? Your Facebook friend would say, yeah, that's, that's hard, right? I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that. You know, I, 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 I wish the best for you. You know, anything I can do for you. Here's what God says. He says, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. The Lord is about to pass by. One of my great concerns about Christians today is that we get caught up so easily in this vortex of blaming other people or other ideologies or other groups of people for the problems Uh, of the world. But the reality is that brokenness has always been present uh, in the world, right? Brokenness uh, has always uh, been warring for uh, the world against the ways of God. And one of the things that we need to do as the people of God in the day in which we live is that when we feel, feel weighed down by these, the brokenness of the world, instead of adding to the frustration by griping about it, by finger pointing, we need to be ambassadors of hope. We need to be people who are pointing one another, pointing ourselves and pointing out the work that God is doing all around us. Because at every moment of every day, no matter how difficult it is, no matter how frustrating it is, no matter how uh, intense something might be, God is present and working. We just have to have the eyes to be able to see it. And instead of uh, being weighed down in the noise, in the muck, sometimes we need to stop and we need to ask ourselves, where is it that we see God at work. And when we feel like we need to share something, uh, sometimes instead of griping about all of the things wrong, we need to learn to speak all of the things that are right and good and true. Let's pray together. Jesus, as we think about these stories, uh, sometimes it's 
a bit overwhelming to see the things that people went through and the ways in which they were weighed down. And we see the ways that people have uh, responded to you. And it's been sort of this playing on repeat cycle over and over and over again. And God, sometimes as we look at our world today, uh, the response for us is uh, a heaviness, a frustration. And there are obviously times in our lives where things are going to weigh upon us. And we never want to act like that those things don't exist but we also want to orient ourselves towards you, towards your ways of hope and peace. And so, God, as we think about this story of Elijah and the way in which you cared for him, may we learn today the way in which you desire to care for us. And when we find life weighing heavily upon us, May we seek your ways, which set us free. We ask these things today in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.